talk about Pedogate. That's no point. The Gates of Pedo. Uh, watch my drinking. Some of this weird kombucha stuff. <clears throat> I don't know. It's like a carbonated piss with like flour. It's like someone mixed flowers and piss soda. I still drink it though. Jim, why are folks so blind about BLM? Oh, because most people just operate at the, at the surface level. They just assume organizations are uh, consistent with their names and titles, you know? You know, like, uh, you know, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's just, you just assume their intentions are, are pure and you don't look into it and you're just like, no, I, I love black people, I... I I like black people. Black People Matters is an organization, so therefore they are good also. It's just a boom, boom. It's just a level of boom, boom that you just can't, you can't interact with it. There are pedophiles in Hollywood who know you're racist. Yeah, definitely. Talk about Ben Shapiro. I don't really talk about Ben Shapiro. Um, what do I want to show you? Oh, this is an interesting, uh, headline. Neuroscientists discover, uh, look, we all have a distinct brain signature. Could it be used to predict your job potential? A translation, can it be used to predict your job potential? No. The translation of that is, can we prime you with the idea that a uh, that scientists can dictate your job potential, like uh, classism, like India, like a caste system? That is inevitable in the uh, future technate, and it's been it's been flirted with a little bit. I don't know if you guys recall a while back. Let's see. Um. Let me see a second. Let me see. It. Make sure that this is uh, Westworld last season. His big dumb face. Uh, uh, I apologize. I take responsibility. Anyway, this is a scene where he's talking to one of the ro robot people, and she's telling him what they've created and what they're doing. So uh, look at this. Could it be used to predict your job potential? Eh, yeah, maybe.
Yeah, so it's not a... Oh, so it tells you who I am. This is the only possible voice I can act in. Uh, <clears throat> no, Caleb. So it tells you who you're allowed to become. It's the same. It's This is where it's all going. I mean, the, uh, the gay, wedgie-dodging, uh, vaccine-pricking, um, you know... Excel spreadsheet loving retards, they want, you know, they push for a world where everything can be quantified. It's the quantifiable, mirrored reality, um, internet of everything, direct data for everything. And then a couple of uh, psychopaths like Bill Gates sit at the top and they need pick and choose futures. Futures. And, uh, this is dumb. Uh, it's it's doable. It's just dumb. And it's like, uh, you know, Westworld is, they want to introduce these idea. You know, like, I don't really go with the predictive programming because um, theory. I know that exists to some extent, but I think for the most part, uh, anyone who's paying attention uh, toward worldviews and trends, you can just, you can imagine certain futures, uh, especially technologically driven futures, uh, it's predictable. You know, what's the likely most, you know, most likely common potential uh, future? You can, you can deduce a couple of things knowing uh, how things go now. So that's all that really happens. People predict these things and they tie it in. Um, And then of course, Westworld makes it seem like uh, it's not voluntary or it's not uh, consent-based. The thing to remember with these, these like, squirmy, high-pitched Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates characters is they're creating the infrastructure. You have to trade your dignity and your your privacy for the convenient aspect of whatever this these systems, any system, provides you. So you're always you're always making a deal, you know, so um, it's just important to know that. And I just thought, I saw that article and I thought, oh, that's just like the, the Westworld thing. You know, they build Solomon, you know, appropriately named Solomon after the king in um, Israel back in the day. Um, was it Israel? Yeah, I think so. Where he, you know, Solomon prayed for wisdom and knowledge, basically. So... In Westworld, they named this giant uh, round AI system Solomon where it knows everything and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's also boring, you know. In a way, um, becoming aware of a lot of this stuff and then becoming aware of the um, looming technocracy and all the Rockefeller games and and the, the games that get played and toward what end... It kind of, in a way, ruins entertainment in a way because you become so aware of it that the propaganda and the hinting and the um, manipulation is so uh, clear to you. Whereas you can't, it's hard to separate the uh, authentic, you know, appreciation of of the art form because it's so overly uh, dramatized toward a future that a bunch of uh, idiots want. But I still find it interesting. 
Oh, mask wearing. There's even a mask wearing scene in uh, Westworld. Very subtle, but it's there. <clears throat> so that's interesting. Oh, look at this guy. This is I was on Owen Benjamin, and we were talking about how how uh, how much we love that Hollywood is over and all these idiots who are still talking from their now they're in their bedrooms and in their kitchens trying to go off the cuff and trying to be funny and stay relevant and and it's just this is probably the best um example of it i know that part of the reason trump resisted wearing a mask for so long is because he's very self-conscious about his image <laughs> right? that's why he didn't want to do it oh, i love how every time Tucker carlson gets in trouble he takes a planned vacation in the middle of the week uh -huh. the guy's packing his suitcase in the studio like I've been planning this thing for a long time. I love starting a vacation midweek because the trout never expects you to show up on a Tuesday. Second shocking revelation. So that's comedy. So Trevor Noah is a uh, a comedian, and that's fun. That's his. That's what he's got, and it's good. It's good that that's what he's got. It's good that all of the frill, the lights, the clapping, the forced applause. All the shoulder rubbing and the ass kissing is gone because it's just that guy in a room. And he's he's equivalent. He's like if Trevor Noah is like if Don Lemon had a vaccine injury, you know, and suddenly just started talking like weird South American or wherever the fuck he's from. It's just soulless, baseless. The premises are so weak and superficial and low frequency. I mean, you're doing, you're doing pr like political premises. That's your premise. Politically polarized premises, truth statements that only appeal to one very narrow view. It's just of, of politics. It's like you might, Trevor Noah, you might as well do airplane comedy. Notice how the, have you ever noticed how airplane seats are small? It's it's over. You're over. And growing your little your little gay afro. I know that part of the reason Trump resisted Sorry, wearing dude. so long is because No, it doesn't work. None of it's working. It's over. Um that's just something I enjoy about uh, going on recently. Found this uh obviously this super self-hating European artist, I don't even know his name, but uh, this is what it's funny about art. Like, um, these people think that if they just cuck and uh, and represent some contrasting uh, narrative or view, suddenly they're doing some sort of justice to, to their work. You know, like, here's one. Oh, oh, I get it. If the black guy owned the slaves. Oh, su wow. Super deep. Did you come up with that on your own? That's amazing. So moving. It's just like, imagine it was reversed. I mean, this is the same shit as like, you know, the right wingers do. And they're like, can you imagine if Trump, uh, can you imagine if Trump had said such a thing? It would be, the media would be in outrage. It would be. Here's another one. You know, the black woman getting ready. You know, what's funny about this is that the irony is even if you switch it, either of these, you're still putting the black man in the um, 
the upper end of the hierarchy of Western European colonialism. So like if you're against the colonialism and against Western uh, culture, West European culture, Anglo-Saxon culture, um, doing this kind of inversion art, it still goes against you because look, look at the woman. You're just reversing it, but guess what? She's still dressed and acting like a white person, a European. All you've done, all you've done is switch their positions, but both positions are European. Both positions are from an era that's uh, created, maintained, and uh, duplicated by a predominantly white Western European uh, foundation. So it's just funny how this um, goes. This is another funny one where it's just like, okay, then and then we can make the white people do the nares. They might as well have them like clucking and being like, oh, I hurt your toe. Did I hurt your toe? And then the Asian ladies are like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Ming Fang. Don't worry about it. And, and the, the white lady is like, are you sure, Susan? Are you sure, Kathy? I don't want to hurt you. I want a big tip. I want a big tip. And um, it's just so absurd like that this is in this photographer artist's mind is some sort of, uh, you know, on the edge, you know, just provocative. What if we switch the colors? And what if we make the white people the ones who are doing the Asian squat? It's like, you can still do it. Guess what? You're still mimicking a reality of Western culture. All you're doing is switching roles. It's meaningless. The It's self-refuting because the, the very image itself wouldn't exist without the, the, the Asian, the Korean, and the Vietnamese. Without them saying, let open a salon. And the funny thing is that those Vietnamese women are actually laughing while they're doing the toes because they're like, oh, this... These white girls think they are the winners, but I have so much saving in the bank. And they only have $1,000 or less saving in bank. And I am taking them for a ride. And they're laughing, doing the foot massage. They're not less than... This, this stupid artist assumes that the positions are power positions. As if the service person is less power, you know, like as if you measure their power on the same scale. It's not on the same scale. The Asian like to do the toes. They don't the Asian this assumption this is this is what's so like actually ignorant and racist of of uh, such a schmuck photographer. It assumes that the white person is in a better position. And it assumes that the Asian is sitting there going, "Oh, I so wish I were Kathy and I so wish I wasn't rubbing toes right now." I so wish I was like Kathy and Susan. They get sit there and they go home to that their wine and the alcohol and the husband and the husband cheating on them and they're in debt. I want that. I wish I I wish I like Susan. I wish I like Kathy. And they don't want it. They don't. You're the dumb, the dumb, stupid presumption of this this um white, you know, cucked photographer he's revealing his own views of, of these of these dynamics it's hilarious look here's another one 
uh, and then what if there was a white girl who's had just a bunch of chocolate faces around in the and couldn't decide which chocolate face to choose from because that's all they had in the store that day. Let's take that photograph. Oh yeah, so provocative. How about uh, the fact that there's a girl in an aisle who's shopping at all for a little like, you know, like millions of plastic dolls? <laughs> like, like there's uh, there's so many other elements you can attack the consumerist uh, view you know, of this, this, this particular setup, but it's just another ridiculous, you know, starting point, you know? Oh, look at her. She's just wondering, where's my white face? Where is my white face? You know, and it's not, it's not a surprise to me that whoever this photographer is, is trying to imagine what it's like to be a, uh, a little girl. That makes sense. Anyway, it's just so ridiculous. I mean, just look at just, yeah, okay. Yeah, let's switch it, but still represent the, ultimately the thing that we are against. What? It's so, it's just so dumb. But I, I like that it exists because it's a really fun target. Um, why are masks a moral issue? Uh, masks are a moral issue because it's a, um, it's the masks themselves are a mechanism, deliberate uh, demoralization mechanism. And if you've uh, researched anything about ideological subversion or Yuri Bezmenov, and I'm not saying everything he's saying is true because uh, in the end he was a spy and he traded sides and he was a defector. So you have to kind of go like, well, He's a professional liar and subverter, but we're going to believe him on the second half of his life. I don't know. But I know subversion exists. You know, there's there's a lot of other elements and uh, places you can see sources of subversion, you know, in throughout the 60s, especially the sexual revolution, um, Edward Bernays, the Tavistock Institute, you know, almost all of rock and roll, uh, People connected to the CIA, you know, Bill Hicks. Anyway, masks are a moral issue because their purpose is not to protect you from a virus or anything like that. It's it's designed to demoralize you. And if you demoralize a nation or a world or a collection of nations, then that's the first uh, Trojan horse, open the door, key, open the door to uh, anything else. Because a demoralized people will um, seek some sort of uh, safety or um, cover. So what you do is you demoralize and then you come in Hegelian style and offer the solution after they're demoralized. And that's why it's a spiritual war and it's not a political war. It's not a left-right war. Um, that's why it's really stupid uh, to be on the right side of things and be like, the Democrats are just using this pandemic to, and they're inflating the numbers. And you're like, no, if you're, if you're on the side of truth, you go, this entire thing is fraudulent. Not the, the Democrats are inflating the numbers, but the, the virus is very real. How can Cuomo do such a thing when all these people are dying of a virus? Like you just pick and choose and it's real one second and then it's not, it's not as real the next. And it's just, you know, if you want to be consistent with truth, with your stance, 
you know, and all stances have a an underlying moral assumption or stance to them, a moral claim. So almost everything is moral. You know, once you really think about it, some things you can just say in the instance are amoral. They're just nothing to do. But I think if you critique any of our be- our our behavior, any of the things that drive us to do what we do, if you debunk the survival uh, paradigm that everything, you know, the dildo Dawkins aspect, all of our, all of our behavior is for survival. It's nothing, nothing more than you know, surviving. I, 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 I diddle children and eat their little hearts for survival. So once you remove survival, you realize that uh, people pursue um, immaterial virtues, experiences, meaning, uh, and all of those things. So uh, everything's a moral issue. I mean, almost everything's a moral issue. You know, you could probably make the argument that just like, I don't know. No, a lot of things can be moral issues. But uh, masks are a, a definitely a moral issue. Um, I mean, secondary to the, the introduction of the masks, like we could argue it's a moral issue for the very f- from the very fact that it's a demoralization tactic. So therefore, it's already in the realm. But um, beyond that, it would be still a moral issue because you're uh, deceiving men. You're deceiving humanity. You're lying. Uh, it's based on a lie. Masks do, even if there was a real virus, which there isn't, uh, you'd be lying to say the masks do anything. They don't. You see any similarities between biblical Tower of Babel and technocracy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's just building, you know, it's a worshiping the creation. It's worshiping the creation and, uh, you know, technology, which isn't uh, sometimes confused with technocracy. Uh, technocracy is appealing to experts and lab coats and uh, the special people who make all the decisions, which are tied definitely to uh, technology. Uh in today's age. But um, yeah, just the worship of technology itself is uh, all technology. Um, we use technology, we could use it uh, for good, or uh, or we can use it for evil and um, the evil aspect of it, not just uh, using a, a technological advanced uh, item to do harm, you know, to, to kill people or whatever. Um, you know, or like Bill Gates, I'm sure his man wife, you know, hooks up a one of those dildonics to a computer, you know, while he's away. <clears throat> but uh, but the 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 connection is is the worship of the creation and all creations, man, man his creation will be in the image of man, and that's the distinction. Um, if you haven't, uh, I. Go to uh, Church of the Eternal Logos channel on uh, YouTube. David Patrick Harry did a, a great video on technology um, and the wor- basically the worship of um, 
of technology, technology becoming the, the God, the God replacement and how it's made in the image of man and his mind. And, uh, Ultimately, how that becomes a disaster uh, waiting to happen, you know, just like the fall of Babylon. Mel Gates. Thoughts on renewable energy? I don't even know what that really means. I've just heard that catchphrase a bunch, but I haven't looked into it. It almost sounds like a, uh, it's almost sounds fake. Like another, whenever you hear a term that sounds really good, it's just marketing. So I bet there's a lot more to that, but I can't speak on it further because I just haven't done it. But the, the, the phrase itself already sounds a little funny. Are we going to have to protest to end all this? No, protests are just another form of consent to power. Protest is just basically a loud permission slip. Uh, protest is a loud, uh, you know, pick me, teacher. Um, it's asking your power, the, the faceless, uh, oppressive power, the dead corporate entity, the faceless government entity, to uh, make you a prettier, more comfortable cell. Change your steel chains to fluffy pink rabbit fur chains, please. Uh, it's just talking to the abstract, you know. Uh, the form of protest, so that's, that's I'm answering that based on uh, the assumption that your version of a protest is how we see protests and how it's been drilled into our minds, which I believe is a psyop at this point. All of the, um, you know, Malcolm X, MLK, civil rights, Bernie Sanders running around like, yeah, I want to fall down, get it on camera. Um, I, f I think that's all a show. I think that all reinforces this concept that, you can go outside and leave your life. Stop building your life, guys. Go outside, hold a sign, yell and scream at nobody that exists. There's nobody there. You know the protests? Who are they talking to? Nobody. They're just yelling into a void. They're yelling at a building. They're yelling at a statue. <clears throat> it's nonsense. You know, the form, the true form of protest is building what you want, you know, or non-participation. -particip you know, true civil disobedience isn't just like gridlock. It's, it's go do what you want to do. Go, uh, organize with people who share your worldview and, uh, build parallel or collectively toward something you would like. And that's the, like, uh, or just stop asking for the thing that you want and just do the thing you want. In other words, the example of like, business owners protesting, asking the government, asking Newsom or Polis to let them open their business and do it how they want. Please, no, Polis, you're stepping over your boundaries. No, just stop going to the street. Go open your business. Tell 300 other private businesses you're all going to do the same thing at the same time. Get 300 businesses together and um, loudly say, we're not forcing anyone to wear masks in our business. Come to our business. If, if any small business was smart right now, they'd be like, no masks required. 
maskless, we don't allow masks in our business. If you're a business owner or you know someone, tell them to make a sign and make an advertisement and do a campaign that says, the business that doesn't allow masks in their business. Do that. That's how you protest it in, in that sense. Um, or uh, send care packages to your local police and sheriff's department thanking them. I don't know. This is a, I was talking to someone about this, and it's a tiny bit manipulative. I get it. But if you sent care packages to the sheriff's office and thanked them for not enforcing nonsense mask laws and made it a pretty sweet package, doesn't have to be expensive, just straight to the point, direct, sincere... Um, I think that level of communication and um, and expression of of understanding, you know, where you're at for a community would do a lot because it's like similar to like, you know, there's an old uh, I don't know if it's an adage. It's just like it's for sales. It's like the best way to keep your customers happy when you like visit them is just give them donuts. It's like you don't it's nothing special. It's not fake. It's just like you like donuts. Here's the donuts. It's similar to like that. I mean, not to make the connection between donuts and cops, but I mean, it could be donuts actually. But um I think that would work too as a form of protest where you're actually showing not resentment to uh the local police, you know. You are persuading them. You're actually nudging them toward what they already know to be the right thing to do, which is you can't enforce pole smokers, uh, you know, and new gruesome newsomes orders. What's an order? I didn't know there was such a thing as an order. What's an order? That's a weird, I didn't learn that in, uh, in government class. What order? It's an order. Can you can you imagine if Trump said order? Order. Yeah, just you know, make an order. <laughs> Let's just do an order. Let's order them to do something. A mandated order. <laughs> a mandated order. It's like redundant. Yeah, I drove into. I went to my um, my firing uh, my uh, shooting range to practice today. I was doing uh, practicing uh, switching magazines quick, shooting quick, switching magazines quick. Uh, but going into the town, there was a giant sign with lights. That said, mandatory masks everywhere. <laughs> I just, I should have taken a picture, but I was driving and it was kind of rainy. But it was such a funny picture because if it's any sign that says mandatory X everywhere is just already hilarious. It's just like, you don't even, you, you already know at that point not to take it seriously. Because it's so dramatic. Thoughts on Sean King? He's uh he's weak sauce. He's just uh he's over, you know. His little sham like 
you can't keep up the fakeness of uh, – plus, most people know he's white now. So that's kind of uh, hindering his his little run he's had. But people are seeing through, uh, you know, race uh, – fake binaries, you know, race racial binaries. Um, so he's pretty much done and irrelevant. You know, the best thing to do with Sean King is just to ignore him at this point. Because he's just, he's so beyond, he's, he's gone. You know what I mean? Glock 19? No. I have a uh, a P365XL. And uh, I think I want the regular one too for conceal. But um, I love that gun. It's a good gun. So... But I like guns now. I like them. My uh, my wife actually is the one who was like, hey, guess what? We just signed up for a concealed carry class. <clears throat> I was like, whoa, turn on. I want to impregnate you. Um, And then the other day, I'm like, you know, we should just get those smaller, you know, P63, uh, 365 and, and uh, or maybe look at the, there's another SIG. I think it's a 1911. Um, but it's, it's got a lot more stuff you have to do to it, like safety wise. So it's, it takes more training. But then she was like, I want an AR-15. And I was just like, whoa, how many kids do you want? Jeesh. What about company policy saying we need to wear a mask? Yeah, the companies are – this is the only – this is the government trick. This is the corporate, you know, government, um, their little their little beaver-bumping, um, or you know, uh, sham they have going on. Their little crony, or, you know, economic orgy that they have going on is that the government doesn't need to impose on you. That's why libertarians uh, – frustrate me because you know ultimately they appeal they appeal to the um the private sector and like they can do whatever they want and that's true but you have to understand the nature of how those government and, and corporations are twisted now whatever the government wants they just prop up the organ the the monopoly uh organization hydra and uh they just go like let's let's work with companies to do social policy and then you create, you know, Starbucks needs a racial, you know, sensitivity test. Uh, government could never make that happen, but a company can. And the more reliant we are on companies, the more we have to accept their social engineering, um, you know, methods, methodologies. And so uh, that includes um, taking over um, policy with, with health. I mean, health, health, the industry of health, the fake industry of pandemics is the ultimate, um, Trojan horse. It really is. It's like you can control anybody through health, uh, again, because it was, it was much harder to convince people that after nine 11, that, uh, a bunch of people with knife cutters were, and, Suicide vests were going to continue to make their way into airplanes across the United States and, and blow up things in their bodies. And you're like, wait, what? It's not real. It doesn't feel real. 
Um, and then they, you know, climate change, it was what much harder to use um, a sense of urgency there because it's always 12 years out, 10 years, it's always this out there and it only works on the truly um, vacuous people who are addicted to their own fear. Um, but for most people, they're just like, well, it's kind of far out. I don't, I don't really deal with it. But turning a immediate virus into the boogeyman and then turning humans into your enemy, your neighbors, your enemy, your family, your threat, anyone with a face is the disease. Cover your face. We were made in the image of God. Cover your face. Um, company policies can then operate um, how they would like. Why? Because the government uh, uses national security tactics and the threat of a virus to shut down all private companies. And then the private companies listen. That was the big problem. That's your fault. If you shut down... If you didn't take the fine, if you didn't gather with the others and say, no, this is something off about this. We're not doing this. But you all, most of you cucked and uh, the big companies got propped up. And then where we're at now is this weird, almost full transition to a um, intermittent style pandemic scare where it's an on and off button. You know, it's, uh, let's see if I can find a good visual to represent the on and off pandemic scare that will constantly work on people. It's not that, but that worked. That was the reverse. That wasn't using fear. That was using endorphins and uh, the the worship of man to, uh, to uh, as a tactic to get people on board with massive uh, spending, borrowing, wasted money, um, giving NASA the, uh, the authority in our connection to the heavens. Oh yeah, dude, say whatever you want, dude. Oh, whatever they're saying is true. Um, sorry, I'm trying to find this thing that really represents, uh, what I'm talking about, about the, the on-off switch that the companies. So, I mean, if it doesn't, it that's pretty much it right there. I mean, the companies are a part of it. So, like, yes, if you're going to go into a place, you can either make it really hard for them. Um, the thing is, it's not going to work if it's just one of you. If you do want to go against company policy, go into a, you know, a Whole Foods or a Walmart, you're having you can do that and make it annoying and then be on one of those videos where you're both screaming about your mask. But the other thing is the fact you're going to Walmart is the bigger issue. That That's the bigger long-term issue that has led us into the position we're in. It's a big net that was cast, like a fishing net. We all got hooked into the same net and then we're operating as if little moments of descent within the net we're pretending that we're not caught in the net. We're, we're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no to that other fish. You're like, I'm, so, I'm so not in this net. I'm gonna say no to that fish. And you're like, you're all in the same net. 
you're you're already you're already dependent. So that the fat obese person who refuses to wear a mask, but he's still in Walmart, Walmart demanding that they serve him his little Girl Scout cookies and his really terrible tomatoes. It's like what are, you're arguing for your own slavery still. That's the reason they have that power is because you're dependent on them. That's the whole thing. It's like that's a part of why, you know, what – that's the reason it occurs as somewhat of a tyrannical um, dependency issue. It's the same thing that happened from, from dependency on, on China. It's all connected. So um, the company policy isn't what you need to defy. It's the dependency on the companies themselves that you need to defy. And that's why something like uh, homesteading, um, everything that, that uh, Owen Benjen, Benjamin's doing with Bertaria, that is the way out of that net. It's not the way toward a utopian perfect future. That's not how you, you got to look at it. It's That's nonsense too. It's just you, if you want to get away from all of these tricks, it's all about your convenience and what you're consenting to and how you've built your life up to this point. All of us totally dependent on large companies to the, to the point where if some push button pandemic or scare happens, we already know who gets propped up. We already know who gets the um, the exclusive supply chain deal, okay? That's not going to end. It's only going to ramp up more. So the more things that they can pull on you, the more the companies um, that are ready to go say, okay, hit the button. We can catch them. We can catch them in the net. Don't worry about us. We got it all handled. And... Uh, in a way, it, that's the only fight. It's uh, you've got to wean yourself off of the mass production tit. You and and the thing is, it's a good thing. Yes, the short term convenience of not being able to go get your favorite Ben and Jerry's social justice ice cream mm -hmm, tastes so justified. Um, the you know the short term is painful, but you want to pick the tomato that you grew and, and eat it and and sit and revel in that ecstasy, in, in that appreciation and gratitude. And that's what people know they kind of want, but they're just like, well, I can't do it. It's all, you know, it turns into like a Ben Shapiro. Everybody has a Ben Shapiro that takes over. They're like, well, it's all about a trade-off, you know? It's like, you know, you know, if you don't want to grow a tomato, we, we, we're lucky enough to live in a system where you don't need to grow a tomato. I, I, that is actually a good thing. You know, you can just go to your local Walmart and they have a whole section on tomatoes. It's like, is there really a difference between that tomato and, and the homegrown one? I mean, not to me. Not to me. But if you want to grow your own tomato and want it takes better, you have the freedom to do that. And that's why that, 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 that's why the founders were such great men. And that, 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 that's why I would let those founders use their, you know, if, if, I, could, if I could take one of those founders and, and, and turn one of their feather pens into a tattoo pen, I would totally get their names tramp stamped on my back, my lower back. Not my upper back, but my lower back. And that would just be, that, that's something I, I'm also free to do in this country. And that's one of the things that makes this country what it is. 
everyone has, you got to watch out for your inner Shapiro. It's the thing that uses the trade-off scenario, the free market, free market trade-off. Yeah, measure the trade-offs. And you're not thinking and being led by uh, your morals, your true um, virtues inside. Because what is convenient isn't what, what is always good for you. What is the better trade-off isn't always what is good for you, you know? You can't, every one of us has that vulnerability where we want to trade it and our basis becomes pragmatism, uh, our basis becomes what feels good, or our basis becomes convenience. Like any of you who've dealt with anyone who has addictions, you know that doing the convenient thing or what feels good short term is not the right thing. It's not even the correct thing, let alone the moral thing. And so your inner Shapiro will come in and be like, you know, say all that stuff and be like, if you like the Girl Scout cookies and you, and you want to buy them in bulk, uh, you're, you're probably not going to get that kind of that service or product available to you. So, you know, you got to look at it like that. And you just got to, if you want out of the, the big, you know, constrained system and it's not going to stop, they're going to do the thing again. I, I, they're going to do the disease thing again. Looking from their from their little ivory towers and they're looking down and seeing all the white specks that are now our faces, the little diapers, they're like, dude, dude. They're doing awkward high fives. You know, Bill Gates accidentally does like a closed fist, you know, and Mark Zuckerberg's just a, like a really soft hand. Uh, they, they, they reach up and touch each other and they're just like, this is awesome. Um, they got you, they, they got people. Okay. And, and unfortunately the good thing is that we see how many people fear man. Uh, the good thing is that we see the mirror. We can see it clearly now. We're not just embedded in our phones. Uh, we are a lot of times, but this thing, the blessing is that it's showing us what the truth is in the physical space where people are mentally, spiritually. And the mask and the uh, the compulsive fear and the shaming of others and the bowing and the kneeling and the blowing of the, the lab coat priests, you know, it's a blessing. It's unfortunate when you're in it and you're looking at it, but it's a blessing because you're getting an accurate um, litmus test of where we are spiritually and morally. And that's good because those of you who are in this moral fight and you realize that uh, it's perpetual and forever and it never stopped, we've we just noticed that we've our head has been in the sand and we've just kind of be, been hidden or uh, watching TV and so we don't see it, but now it's in our face. And when it's in your face and there's no denying it, there are people that I've watched that have gone from pretty amoral, pretty center, libertarian, kind of whatever, to, oh no, this is feels like a, it's deeper. It's a deeper spiritual war now. And uh, that's the good news, is that you couldn't set off that revival in the covered, layered, digital, digital cubicle the digital uh, matrix protection layer, you know? You can't, because you can't see what's real. So in a way, it's ironic that the a fake virus can actually show you what's real in the world. 
And uh, what's real in the world isn't a virus. What's real in the world is fear, worship of man, worship of authority, worship of computers, data, Bill Gates' little you know, pricks that he has in his basement, his little hard steel pricks filled with fluid. I may have lost the 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 date to 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 Brett, but I but I sure am. I I I I have a have a basement full of hard needle pricks filled with. I'm gonna get inside all of you. I'm gonna get inside all of you. Him and Zuckerberg, I believe they were both castrated by the same person. Their voices are so high-pitched. They're so, uh, you know, I took like voice lessons years ago, not to become a singer, just because I never taken them. And I realized that in that class, you're, you get become aware of your breathing and where you hold tension and, and stuff like that. I know it sounds a little uh, new agey and, and uh, drawstring pants and, and kale, uh, but... Uh, there was something so eye-opening, and, and you see that with these people, these these cowardly um, beta males. So that they they can't speak with authority, but their position deludes that it makes them think they're in, a, in an authority. They think they are they're gam they think they're uh, alphas, but they can't deal with it. You know, it's the same sound. How Zuckerberg and Gates talk is the same. Uh, kind of shrill sound, the cadence and everything about it is similar to like, you know, when Hillary Clinton would raise her voice and pretend to be talking like a man. Like they're bo- they're all pretending to be masculine and like that's how they do it, but they can't do it because their throat is so closed and they're liars. And so it constrains their body. So they can't even push out their, their, their voice. It's just like Bill Gates is, is like, ah, and then Zuckerberg is like, the pandemic. And then Hillary is just, she thinks she's yelling. She thinks she's doing Martin Luther King, right, in her head. But she's just like, I bet some of you are wondering why I have so many, a trail of dead people and blood behind me. I bet you're wondering. And you're just like, oh, stop. Stop. I mean, she she did a service, though. She showed why it's important to address the differences in men and women and why uh, female leadership at that level should uh, be, I mean, I believe, rejected, but questioned and really ridiculed because it's just mimicry of man. It's already starting from a false place. It's acting. Because the truth is a woman being her ultimate self, being her ultimate nature, would not be okay with blood and uh, not be okay with murder, mass murder, the things that ultimately in that level of operation, you cannot avoid the lies, the deception. So you get into this disgusting role 
and you're trying to pretend and pull in your nurturing side into a system or, or a circumstance that's completely opposite of your nature. So that is either going to be a total lie and be inconsistent and you're going to be inadequate or you're only going to draw psychopathic women like Hillary Clinton to the top. Uh, and both are a loss. You're either dealing with a psychopath or someone who needs to um, reconcile the position they're in and the world that they're involved with with their true nature. And those things can't be reconciled. Yeah, penis envy. What's my take on Warren Buffett? Ah, it doesn't matter. He'll be dead in a month, probably. I am a happy she, her. <clears throat> Maybe Hillary Clinton never got her period. <laughs> Gross. I've seen Hillary's speeches live. It was surreal. You did? That's crazy. Yeah, it's just one. It's like someone starting an opera in high C. You know, she starts so high. And that's the that's unfortunate for women because they have a higher voice. So when you elevate your register, you know, when you're a man, you, I don't even have a very low voice, but when you're a man and you... You get passionate, your your uh, register goes up. When you're a woman, your register is already up. And so being passionate, you know, that's why there was so much like writing about it in the Huff Po. They'd be like, oh, so Hillary Clinton can't, talk, you know, raise her voice. And it's like, no, her voice is already at a high register. So it sounds like a door, a creaking door. It sounds like a layer of Dante's hell. It's not our fault that we don't like the sound of the voice. Because a, a woman who's already already has a high voice, once they get screeching, it's just higher screeching. It's not strong. It's not like, I have a dream where little boys and little girls can go into the hospital without their parents' permission and chemically castrate themselves. I have a dream where Stephen can be Stephanie. Oh, and Timmy can be Tammy. Whoa, I have a dream where everyone's equal, where all the ice cream shops across this great land mix their ice cream to a dull gray matter. And there is no one culture, and they're all mixed up together. Shut up, MLK. You, you did a bad thing, boy. You did a real bad thing, MLK. Brave a dream. No one cares about your dream. I have a dream where corporate America sets up the policy and sets up the morality and is progressive. I have a dream where NASCAR, where all the NASCAR drivers are in full uniform, full of rainbows, and there is a butthole on every muffler of every Mach 1 M50 engine. And all of the exhaust pipes of all of the NASCARs are little buttholes. 
have a dream when a, when a winner of the NASCAR and his little, his rainbow outfit. Have a dream when he pops the cork on that, on that champagne. He's, he's licking up that, that squirting everywhere and the bubbles on his face. And, and I have a dream. Have a dream. I'm going to animate that, though. I'm going to animate it, and I'm going to make it black and white and put, like, the crackly old footage thing on it and just have it just be a cartoon and him talking about his dream. <clears throat> It'll be partially um, things he didn't say, but he also was a total commie. Total commie. He just, he did a, a major, some major spellcraft on people. He, he made it, he tied an emotion to an outcome. And that's materialism. And that's, uh, in a way, it's, it's uh, pursuing heaven on earth. He was a, that's what he saw. He had a dream of a utopian vision. <clears throat> and uh, it's not based in reality. And it also undermines what the blacks had done up to that point. I mean, the blacks had one of the highest, quickest, fastest reading rates, you know, from the end of the official end of slavery. <clears throat> and they, uh, they, they, uh, they coagulated, you know, the, in a way, the, Segregation, which I don't believe in uh, enforced segregation, but I accept voluntary segregation. But the enforced segregation forced blacks in their communities to build, to build, to build communities, to stay together. It was, it was the families together. We go to church. We don't have, you know, they, if you took blacks back before pre-civil pre war or civil rights, if they saw Beyonce selling her asshole and her truffle juice to their kids, they would, I would hope they would just blow her head off with a shotgun back then. They'd be like, what the, f what are you doing, lady? Man, I'm a truffle, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, the culture then, regardless of the unfortunate circumstances, they were strong. They had their own businesses. They had their own culture. They protected their own. They didn't go around killing each other. They didn't. Were, they weren't selling. They wouldn't let someone sell their little girl on shaking their ass. You're disgusting, Beyonce disgusting and you come from wholesomeness that's what's really disgusting about you your little no you're not fooling anyone you have a cross eye we see your little wandering eye i see it anyway you guys have a good day love you